and welcome to The Turning Point, a weekly show that's being created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Today, we have Stephen Fox, who after high school, decided to join the U.S. Marine Corps. And for eight years, he traveled around the world, but then he had to make a transition to a career as a financial planner and run his own firm. And along the way, there were several other entrepreneurial experiences. So let's start. Stephen, welcome along. Yeah, thank you. So I guess, I, 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 on a personal note, I want to start um, at the decision so at the end of high school and your decision to join the marine uh the marine corp and and why i guess because i've i'd like to i'd like you to go first but I've, i know a few friends from school who did the same sort of thing over in the uk um so yes why the why the marines uh well i guess there are a few different reasons for that <laughs> so i graduated high school in 2004 and at that time within the last few years we had had uh, 9-11 happened, and we had had the uh, initial invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq and and the uh, bombing of the USS Cole and all this stuff was going on. And I kind of felt like I had a little bit of a duty to do my part. Um, I think that duty was especially uh, incensed by my feeling that I had to give back in some way because I was a little idiot when I was younger. I got into a lot of trouble, got arrested a few times. Um, wasn't doing all the right things that I was supposed to be doing. And so I kind of felt like I owed something back to society. And, and that was a big part of why I wanted to join. Um, I think it was also that I had never really left my hometown area that I grew up in. I grew up uh, near Chicago and moved around a whole lot within the Chicago area. I went to like 13 or 14 different schools by the time I went to high school, but I'd never really been outside of Chicago, of Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin. So I knew that joining the military would be one way to be able to travel around the world. So that was a big part of it too. Right. So, because why, why I let you speak first is um, the people I know from school and uh, who have not seen for quite a while because they're, uh, they're still in there uh, in the armies, they follow family, like their parents are in there or uncles and things like that. And out of all the people I know, there's always been that fa that family involvement with it and they've just followed in their footsteps. Yeah, I think that was part of it for me too. Uh, my dad was in the army for a short time, uh, a few years before I was born. I think it was like a year or two. And uh, he never really told me why he got kicked out early. I'm not sure if he got in some kind of trouble. He didn't talk about it much. And then his dad too, uh, my grandfather was a U.S. Marine and he got into a lot of trouble like during the Vietnam era and got kicked out. So there was some family history of military, but I was the first person to actually turn it into a little bit of a career and, and do fairly well there. He'd say, gone from the bad boy at school to being a good boy in the army, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> it helped me. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I mean, what, you spent um, eight years in there and you, tra you say you travel around the world. Um, what sort of, what were the places you got to go to? Was, was it, was it, a, was it Afghanistan or Iraq or was it, just, was it other, other areas for a training? Uh, well, I spent a total of probably about three and a half or four years overseas, um, a lot of that was in Japan. I was stationed in Japan for two years. During that time, I did my first deployment to Iraq, which was seven months. And then I also went to uh, Korea for a couple months to do some training with the Korean Marines there. Uh, went to Thailand, went to the Philippines when they had a big mudslide. Um, went to, uh, after, the, after that two years in Japan was over, and really I only spent about a year of that time in Japan because I was going to those other places. But 
uh, when I got back to the States, I was stationed in Camp Pendleton in California, near San Diego, where I live now. And, All right. And um, from here, I again went out to Iraq for another seven months. Um, and that's about it. So I also went to Missouri a few times, Texas for training. Um, that, that wasn't really exciting, but I did get to spend a lot of time overseas too. And I felt like it uh, helped me grow up a lot, seeing different cultures, um, meeting new people that were completely different from anybody I'd ever known in my life, doing completely different things, um, providing a lot of help to people that were in pretty tough situations. So it helped me grow up a lot, changed me a lot. Does that, and I guess that will shape your, your, your sort of outlook on life, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely helped me mature a lot. It helped me become a lot more understanding of people who are different from me. Um, even just within the Marines, you get people who come from entirely different backgrounds and they end up working together very, very closely. Um, yeah, it becomes a brotherhood, doesn't it? Sure. Absolutely. So after after eight years, what, did, did it sort of, we're talking about this transition now. Did it come quick? Was it over a year or two years where you were thinking about getting out? Or what was what was the thoughts behind that? Well, when I initially signed up, it was for a four-year enlistment. And then I decided to sign up for four more so that I could go to Iraq again. Um, and it was right. during, during that Iraq deployment that I uh, um, re-enlisted for four and a half more. And for the first six or seven years that I was in, I thought I probably would make a career out of it. Um, I really liked most of what I was doing in the Marines, and it had benefited me a lot. Didn't have any real reason to go back home to Illinois, so I thought I'd probably stay in forever. Uh, but my last probably year and a half, two years in, is when my mindset really started to shift, and I decided to leave. Um, some of the reasons for that were I was getting kind of tired of having a high deployment tempo with no end in sight. Um, we Sometimes I had very, very quick deployments where I had no notice ahead of time. Like I went to the Philippines after a big mudslide, and we had like, I think it was eight or 10 hours notice and we were on a plane going there to help people out. And then wow. other ones, um, that was a short deployment. It was only, I think eight or 10 days, something like that. Um, but then there were other ones that were much longer. Each trip to Iraq was seven months. Uh, Korea was a couple months long and that's a lot of time away from family. It's a lot of hard work with very little time off and it's just, you have no controller, but you never know when you're going to be deploying or for how long or to where. Um, so I was kind of frustrated about having very little control over my future assignments or also over my career progression. So there's a very limited pathway that you can go along in a, in a career in the military and shifting to the higher ranks, the roles, the functions that they perform in a unit didn't really appeal to me very much. A lot of the stuff that I loved about being in the Marines, like, I don't know, playing with machine guns and, and hanging out with my buddies and stuff. Um, all that kind of goes away as you get into higher ranks and you get put in more administrative type roles. Mm -hmm. um, so I never got any higher than the rank of sergeant is what I left as. And I was a sergeant for over half my time in. I got up to sergeant very, very quickly and then didn't uh, get promoted above that because there just weren't any openings. Um, but looking forward, even if I had gotten promoted to the higher ranks, I don't think I would have liked it very much. Um, right. So w w when um, when you started thinking about other things and your mindset had changed, like you said, what, what, what were your initial thoughts? You mean as far as... Uh, other reasons why I wanted to leave or what I wanted to do next? Yeah, what you wanted to do, yeah. Because obviously there's, you were getting frustrated um, with, like you said, the short um, 
short deployment, uh, yeah. a short notice, and then you, you mentioned there's a mind, there was a mindset change. What what were you thinking then? What what was the first thoughts of that? Uh, I think part of what brought it on is uh, what happens to a lot of guys is I met a girl, so <laughs> I knew that in the future I was probably going to end up marrying her, and that I wanted to be in the position where I could marry her and be able to actually spend time with her. And if we had kids in the future, which we do now, we have an eight week old little girl now. Um, I'll have a career where I'm actually able to have control over how much time that I spend with them. So I thought that that would probably be very important to me in the future. Um, and mostly I just accomplished everything that I wanted to in the military. Uh, I grew up a lot. I traveled around a lot, um, developed some, some technical skills that could have helped me in the future if I wanted to keep going down that pathway. Um, I really accomplished everything that I wanted to. So there was no reason to stay there anymore. I just felt like I needed a change in my life. Yeah, I mean... It's, I mean, I can't speak from experience, but I'm not, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is it, that doesn't sound like a typical route for people that are in the army that they've got a set, I might, I might be wrong, that they have a set uh, sort of rank they want to reach or things they want to accomplish while they're in there and then like, well, I'm, I'm happy, I've done what I wanted to do, now it's time for something else. Is that the case or, or not? Uh, well, there are um, certain... I know there's a number of different reasons why it could be reasons for going in and things like that or coming out personally or do you know what I mean? But I don't know if that was a mindset. Yeah, everybody's uh, pathway is different. I think uh, in most branches of the military, not just in the US, but worldwide, most people get out after the first enlistment is over. They only serve a few years and they don't make a career out of it. Uh, and I think out of the branches of the U.S. military, that's especially true in the Marines, is that most people get out after their first term. Uh, the Marine Corps tends to be a lot younger than the other branches, in part because it's just a tougher lifestyle. It's more physically demanding. Uh, mm -hmm. So a lot of people tend to get out. Um, there are certain milestones that you have to reach in order to uh, be able to stay in and make a career out of it. You have to reach certain ranks by certain lengths of service. Uh, and you need to go to perform different types of duties or go to different schools. Uh, and I did a lot of that, um, but not everybody chooses to. I mean, some people simply get kicked out earlier than they would have liked because maybe they get poor performance reviews, they don't do the training and progression that they need to, or some people do really, really well but decide they want to get out for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. So when, when, you were think, when you were starting to think about getting out, did had you left the military before you decided what you wanted to do, or did you have some sort of idea why you were still there? Uh, I did not have a clear idea of what I wanted to do when I left the military, which was, uh, I don't know, it, to me it seems like it was kind of a mistake not knowing exactly what pathway I wanted to go down, because if I had a clear vision of that from the beginning, I would have made progress down that path more quickly. Um, but what I did know is that I wanted to be doing something related to business or finance, because I'd long been, related, or long been interested in topics like uh, economics and finance, uh, just enjoyed reading that type of stuff. Uh, got very interested in investing on my own and helping out guys in my unit with that kind of thing. So I thought that I wanted to do something related to finance, but that's a very, very broad field. Uh, there are hundreds <laughs> of totally different jobs in the field of finance. So what I did is I enrolled in uh, at San Diego State University. I knew I wanted to stay in San Diego, which was also where my last duty station was located, just because I love the city. It's a, it's a great place to live. And I think even if I wanted to leave, my wife wouldn't go for it anyway. Um, so I stayed in San Diego, went to San Diego State University, enrolled in their finance program. And it was probably within about a year, year and a half after starting the program there um, before I realized that I wanted to do financial planning. All right. As, was, yeah, it anything, was it anything particular in what you were studying or is it, was that just 
this is what I find most appealing? Uh, it didn't really have much to do with anything I learned in any of my classes. It had to do with all the stuff I was doing outside of class. Uh, all right. So I, I tried talking to as many people as I could get a hold of that worked in all different areas of finance and just talk to them about what they do and what they like or don't like about it and what's necessary to uh, be able to work in that field. And through talking to all of them, I kind of came to realize that working in typical corporate finance job, like looking at mergers and acquisitions or something, would just not be appealing to me. Uh, if I work really, really hard and I'm able to um, help some giant mega corporation save like six cents a share so that their stock goes up after the next quarterly earnings, that's not really a very rewarding job for me. Um, whereas when I was talking to financial planners, people who deal with individuals and help them with their financial situation, that seemed a lot more rewarding. Uh, you can have a direct, a significant impact on somebody's life, on them being able to achieve the goals that they want to do, the things they want to do in their life. Uh, so, so uh, go ahead. So, uh, making that sort of transition from, uh, I'm coming from the military. I know you were doing. You said you were doing some bits while you were in there to do with finance. Um, what what roadblocks did you hit when making this transition from uh, military to finance? Road, after the education roadblocks with the transition uh, i think first and foremost was just not knowing exactly what i wanted the next chapter of my life to be that was the biggest thing um, besides that it was just getting the education and technical expertise once i knew what i wanted and then um, having to develop connections not knowing anybody because i was in a totally different career field before uh, mm -hmm. so i didn't really know anybody in the field as far as uh like people to talk to about things I wanted to know or uh, connections that would help me get a future job. So those were probably the biggest challenges. And regardless of what sort of uh, transition there is, and that's between any uh, sort of sector or industry, there's always, at, at some level, there's always transferable skills. So going from military to finance, what, what did you think was, what did anything surprise you about the skills that you could apply from what you'd learned? Or what do you find was the, the most transferable? There was some overlap. Um, so the work that I did in the military had absolutely nothing to do with finance. So as far as like technical expertise related to my field, there's no overlap at all. All that is completely wasted now. It's all gone. Knowing how to um, disassemble a machine gun or knowing how to repair a bulldozer or some of the other stuff I did in the military, that doesn't help me with financial planning. But what does help now is uh, my mindset towards a lot of things. So uh, one characteristic of, of the Marine Corps that they really try to uh, imprint on people is to have a whole lot of discipline in everything that you do. Um, so I think that's not all of it, but a lot of it carried over into my civilian life now that I'm out of uniform. And that's had a big impact on my ability to achieve all the goals that I've set for myself since. Uh, so I think discipline definitely helped carry over and has, has had an impact. And then another thing is uh, there's this kind of unofficial rule of thumb in the military called the 70% rule. And what that means is that making a decision that's 70% correct and taking action on it is going to have a much bigger impact for you than waiting and waiting and waiting until you have the perfect decision, you have all the information you need and making the absolute best possible decision but not taking any action on it. So I like that. Done is better than perfect as long as it's done well. I, I like that a lot. Uh, and I think that was, um, that's kind of like a, that's not specific to the U.S. military. I think that's probably from like Sun Tzu, Art of War, or, or some very old, uh, very common military knowledge. But I've applied that to everything I've done in my career since then as well. I think you can apply that to just, a, well, to everything really, everything in life. 
Yeah, it's easy to I mean, overanalyze. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I like the seventy percent rule. Is is when you think about it, it's fantastic because if you follow everything to the nth degree, um, in what somebody else has done, you are, you're that person. So you lose the you lose the personality. The the last thirty percent is for you to learn and adapt and change and figure out your own twist. I guess absolutely, you got to iterate and change along the way as the situation changes. Yeah, so I, I'm going to use that one. That's a great one. I like that seventy percent rule. So, where, where where are you now in your sort of your career two point I guess? Um, how how is it going, and what's what's the plans for the future? Uh, so right now, I have uh, finished college and and finished getting all the different credentials and training that I wanted to. Um, I've been very active with a few different nonprofit groups that have had a big impact on my career and and helping teach me stuff that I need to know as well as introducing to people that have been very helpful. Um, and now I am running my own financial planning firm. So I'm working with individual clients, um, usually young professionals that don't have access to traditional financial planning firms. I'm taking a little bit of a different approach from what most financial planning firms do. I'm not working with like multimillionaire retirees. I'm working with younger Mm -hmm. professionals that don't have huge investment accounts built up yet. And, uh, it's going really well. I'm enjoying the work. Uh, so my first I'm, couple of positions in financial planning were with other firms, like just working with other people's clients instead of my own. And now I get to take care of my All right. Clients. So you did, you did go into an employment role for a, a short while. I did, yeah. While I was in school. Mm-hmm. And was that, did you find that was um, beneficial or did you, did you think you were learning the things that you needed to know um, from education better? Uh, it was absolutely beneficial. Yeah. So there was a little bit of technical knowledge that I got through that work. But what was far more valuable was seeing my boss interact with clients directly, Uh, like sitting in on client meetings and then eventually running my own client meetings. That had a much bigger impact than any of the technical knowledge that I increased while I was working there. Wow. Good. So how have you, how did you feel the, uh, the sort of um, transition again, going from uh, employed uh, to self-employment. I mean, you must get, especially money is very, very personal, isn't it? So when, uh, one of your clients achieves or starts to make progress with their, what you're dealing with and their plans, which is really is dictating their future. So you must get a real, real sense of satisfaction from that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, (laughs) I, I like helping people achieve their goals, but I think what I find a lot more rewarding and what clients enjoy a lot more is helping them uncover what their goals actually are. There must be a real sense of self-satisfaction in that. Uh, Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's nice to help people not only figure out what they're, uh, how they're going to accomplish their goals, but to actually figure out what those goals are in the first place is a lot more challenging and a lot more meaningful to people. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's going to be the biggest thing, isn't it? Because the, we're not just talking about one specific point, are we? Because the plan is the life. So there might be by age 30, I, there may be kids and we want to have a bigger house. Or then we're talking about uh, sort of middle age and then retirement. You, so the, imagine that. I mean, I've got a few loose ideas what I want to do, but nothing really down and certainly nothing near financial planning for it. I mean, I pretty much do that on a year by year basis. I'm really when I know exactly what I'm doing. So it, it must be quite a tough one, that. Yeah, every decision that we make in life is to some degree a financial decision. And I think that it's important that we uh, take finances into account when we make life decisions. 
and orient every financial decision we make around our values and what's most important to us. I think, I mean, I, I kind of did something a bit like that. I bought, I bought a fast car, so it, which uses a lot of petrol. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, I kind of just, it was something I wanted when I was 17. So I thought, yeah, well, I'll get it. But yeah, it does. Uh, I, I do have to now think I might just use the wife's car, save a bit of gas, but, uh, that by the but yeah i know exactly what you mean the there's um there's, there's not much um many of the big th- well, well actually he, like you're right everything is based around money isn't it but um it's when you when you when you go into planning it's it's the bigger thing is it? it's not just oh, i'm gonna get i'm gonna get a new watch or uh, a new car right um, I don't want to treat people as simple spreadsheets with financial formulas for me to solve. I want to treat them as as human beings that are thinking and living and feeling and changing and growing. And uh, the financial decisions they make are going to impact what their life looks like. And I want them to be able to live their ideal life, whatever that is to them. And that's a lot more impactful on people than just helping them say, maximize their investment returns so that they die the richest person in the graveyard. That's not really doing anything for yeah. anybody. No, not at all. And it's a, a question, that, well, that's sort of a, a subject line that gets discussed regularly over here about what's what's the point in having 100 grand in the bank when you're dead. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely no point. Um, but I, I would imagine it's, so you've got to. It's got to be around the people. So people come to you knowing that they're going to get this very personal service with an actual interest rather than just seeing um, like pound signs or dollar signs. I guess. Yeah, that's the idea. Because <laughs> people do buy people. Yes, definitely. Uh, people um, work with me because, well, I presume, I hope, I think that they work with me because they want to work with me, not just because. I went to school and have the credentials that they're looking for, but also because they get along with me well. And that's important yeah. to me too, because as a, a financial planner, as an individual person, I can only serve so many people. And I want to work with people that I like spending time with. Yeah, I mean, because it, it'll work for a better relationship. I mean, over here, I, I, I own a, a design agency and um, you can you can get a website built for a couple of hundred pounds, but if you want it done right... You, you don't. You're not actually buying the web the website. You're buying the experience, the knowledge of the people who are going to create this solution for you. That's going to maximize your product or service and make an impact on financials. And but having that, it does require that working relationship, exactly like you're saying. And you do you do buy the person by having the good relationship. You get a better better product, a better service at the end, which is a bit great for all because everybody enjoys working on it or working together. Yeah, and I think that's uh, especially important when you think about the fact that the age we live in now, whether it's a financial question or a question about how to do something technical on a website, that information is all available for free to anybody. And so the way you differentiate yourself the way you become more than just a source of information is by providing great service by going a little bit deeper on things. Yeah, I mean, and you t- we're t- you're talking about something that's m- like massively personal and secret because not everyone likes to run around saying I earn X amount of X amount of thousands of dollars a year or pounds. So you get to you get to find out these these sort of private details and you've got to be trusted with that. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, actually it's a little surprising. It was surprising to me when I first started doing this. Um, when you start asking a little deeper level questions and get people to dig more about what's important to them and their values and what they want to do in the future, if you're dealing with a couple 
a lot of times they will say something that the other person had no idea about. And so you're, you're just like in an hour long conversation with this couple and you get them to learn things about each other that they didn't know after years of having been together. We don't. It's kind of like a financial Mr. and Mrs. If you've ever heard of that, a game. Uh, what's that? Is that a British thing? I haven't heard um, of it. Uh, it's, it's, well, we're digressing here. We're talking about Miss, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Um, it tends to be a thing which you, where which it's a bit of a game. So you ask about uh, a couple. So um, each each person will get um, some question, the same questions, and they write the answers down, but don't show their other half. Ah. And then that person asks the, the other person in the relationship. Uh, sorry, somebody would ask that other person in the relationship the the answer to the questions. So. I might write, well, I would write my favorite color is purple. And then somebody would ask my wife, what's Dan's favorite color? And it's about how many you get right. So how well you know the other person, but we're, okay. we're kind of doing that, but on financials as well. Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, there was an old dating, an old game show called the dating game. It reminds me of that. I don't know if you heard of that, but that sounds good. Maybe I should do that with, uh, my next couple client. <laughs> just do it before. Right. We're just going to do a sort of pre-qualification. Um, here's some questions about your relationship. <laughs> Uh, write them all down. Don't show each other. Give them back to me, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I actually do have them go through uh, some questionnaires about um, talking about what they want to do in their life, what their values are, um, like learning more about their attitudes about money. And I have them complete the questionnaire separately. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for doing that. But when we go over it, that's one of the times when uh, sometimes one person is very surprised by what the other person has said. Have you ever had any fallouts? Have I had any what? Have you ever had any arguments? Any arguments? Uh, no, people haven't not, argued. Not between in my you, office. but I mean between between the people. No, they haven't argued with each other in my office. Maybe when they got home, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, we've gone from the army, we've gone through education to employment to self-employment. I'd say that's a great journey so far, and it's a very key word so far. Yeah. And but something that I like to ask people is, and it's quite blunt and forward. Uh, and obviously we're not, we're, you're not at the end of where you are at the minute, but was it worth it? Was it worth that transition? Was it worth it? I think when I'm thinking about whether or not it's worth it, I look at where I was then and where I am now, as well as my future prospects. But the bottom line is whether or not I'm happier now than I was before. And I think uh, the answer to all of those is yes, this was absolutely the right move for me. I'm very happy right now. And that's all we strive for, isn't it? Happiness. So if we were to look back across all of that that we've just spoken about, if you, um, if let's pick out uh, either one or two or three or whatever points that you would give to people for that are either um, going through a transition at the minute or on the brink of thinking, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really not happy where I am or I'm, I just want to do this. Do you know what what would what's the th what would the, be the things that you'd say to them in, in your experience? So I think out of uh, everything that I've done during this transition or these multiple transitions, the things that there have been two things that have been more important than any other. And the first one is that you got to hustle, you got to work hard. Um, I had this mentality that because I was starting this career late. Uh, I had to catch up to everybody else. I had to make up for lost time because I'm 30 years old right now, which means if I had gone straight to college after high school and started in this career, I could have like eight years of experience right now. And a lot of people my age would have that level of experience, mm -hmm. whereas I'm only at like maybe two years of experience. 
So I had the mentality that I need to work really hard and catch up to those people and surpass them. Um, so don't be afraid of hard work. Expect that you're going to need to. And then besides that, the other big thing that's helped me through transition has been to uh, try and never be the smartest person in the room. So I, I try and surround myself with people who are better than me in one way or another um, and pick up what little bits I can from them along the way. And that's had a big impact on, on my progress as well. I can't do everything by myself. Like no matter how hard I work, no matter how smart I am, no matter how lucky I get, um, I can't do it by myself. So you need to surround yourself with people who can help you. And not be afraid to ask. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've been very surprised how willing people are to help out. And it's the, it's the sort of um, absorb and apply method, which is, works for a lot of people. And it's something I do as myself. So taking all the knowledge and then just throw it at it. So thank you very much. Um, I'm, I know you're going to be busy because oh, you're running your own business. You've got a, uh, an eight-week-old baby. Um, how can people get in touch with you, Stephen? Uh, the best way is probably through my website at nextgenfinancialplanning.com. It's N-E-X-T-G-E-N financial planning. Uh, or on Twitter at nextgenfp is a good way. That's been great. I really appreciate the time tonight. And it's uh, such a great story with um, what sounds like it's going to be a very great future. Yeah, I hope uh, people are able to get something useful out of it and help, help themselves out. Thanks very much for sharing your story. Thanks. So that's it for this episode of The Turning Point. As ever, I've been your host, Daniel Moore, and today's guest has been Stephen Fox. What a great guy I think we can all agree with. And remember, together we can make one of life's biggest hurdles that much easier to